G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. There can be no more devastating result in a church or in a home or in partnership than a broken down relationship. There can be no sadder home than the one where discord, where strife dominates and rules supreme. And the Bible gives us only one right way of restoring peace and joy in your life that has been stolen as a result of conflict. And that is the biblical, godly way of resolving conflict, of healing broken relationship. It's a sad truth. Relationships sometimes splinter. Even sadder, conflict can come from relatively minor differences about politics, money, parenting, or even simple miscommunication. Welcome to Leading the Way, featuring the Bible teaching of pastor and author, Dr. Michael Youssef. The Apostle Paul experienced his share of conflict. And today, Dr. Yusuf takes you to 2 Corinthians to look at the ninth secret of positive living, where Paul turns a negative experience into a positive. Join me in listening as Dr. Michael Yusuf begins. It is um, a fact that there is no greater pain than the pain of broken relationships. It's far more than physical pain. Now, thanks to modern science, with physical pain, you can take a pill or you can take an injection and you overcome the pain, at least for a time. But there is no pill, there is no injection that can erase the pain and the hurt that stems from broken trust, the pain or the hurt that stems from betrayal of promises, the pain or the hurt that stems from reneging on agreements, or unexplainable rejection. There's no pill or injection that can immediately take care of that. Now, whether this pain comes as a result of children who are rebelling against their parents and breaking their parents' heart, or through shattered marriages, or through inexplicable falling away of friendship. But the question is, how do we deal with these painful experiences? How do we deal with them? Well, I only know about two ways in which you can deal with those painful experiences. One is to recognize that they are always, always as a result of sin and wrongdoing. Identify that sin bring it up in the open or the wrongdoing, and then provide an opportunity for repentance and for healing and for reconciliation. But there is another way that a lot of people choose, and it is this. Just allow the pain to continue to corrode your soul 
even for life. <laughs> Both ways of dealing with pain of broken relationships are painful. They are. Both of them are. But one prolongs the pain for a long time and even for life. The other is the experiencing of the temporary pain of deliverance. One develops into chronic condition in your spirit and soul. The other is merely going through that short-lived surgery. One becomes an ongoing gaping wound in your life. The other is the temporary discomfort of removing the source of pain. Most often shattered relationships are, and I'm not saying always, but often, that they are a result of small misunderstandings. Sometimes they are, you know, a hasty word that's spoken and you wish you could take it back and, and you couldn't. Sometimes it's misplaced comment and sometimes it's a thoughtless action. Or, as we saw in the last message, sometimes it comes as a result of hearing, believing lies about a person. And we saw that in the last message. The Bible tells us only about one right way of dealing with problems and broken relationships. There's only one right way of restoring peace and joy in your life that has been stolen as a result of conflict. Whether it's a home or in business partnerships or in a church. Listen to me and hear me right on this one. I have seen it long enough to know it is absolutely true. I know the Scripture said it's true, therefore it must be true. If you are trying to avoid dealing with conflict in your life and resolving it the godly way, if you are refusing to face reality, that can only be deepened. The problem can only become more exaggerated. The problem can only become more distorted the further you get away from it. It can only be opening of a wide door for Satan to come into your life and mine and set up a stronghold in order that in allowing him to come in and out and cause you harassment. A very gifted surgeon in our congregation told me several years ago something that I haven't forgotten. He said, many times... I get patients who come with physical pain of which I cannot find a single physiological reason for it. And I'm personally convinced that unresolved conflicts, that broken relationships, that shattered friendships can cause all sorts of physical pain. I'm not a doctor, I just play one on Sunday. <laughs> and so today we come to... Secret number nine in the Apostle Paul's 15 secrets for positive living. We have been looking at this incredible epistle of all of his writings. The Apostle Paul's writing of 2 Corinthians is the most personal, is the most intimate, as if to say, I'm going to open my heart wide and let you see everything going on inside. And so we come today to secret number nine, for positive living. What gave the Apostle Paul positive living? Turn with me, if you haven't already, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 as we go through that book. Because there you're going to see the Apostle Paul 
telling you what really, really, really broke his heart. He tells you the very reason why Paul, more than anything in the world, is a man with a broken heart. And what broke his heart was far more than being beaten, and he was flogged many times. What broke his heart is far more than the lashes that he received, was far more than the persecution that he experienced in every city that he went to. It was far more than hunger. It was far more than stoning even nearly killed him. What really broke the heart of the Apostle Paul was more severe than all of this, and it was this. Are you ready for it? That his friends believed lies about him, and that devastated him. In believing these lies, they were repeating them without evidence. They were spreading them around without any truth to them. And so many of his friends in Corinth turned on the Apostle Paul. Many of his friends rejected the Apostle Paul. Many of them verbally insulted the Apostle Paul. And even those who did not turn on him, they could not be bothered defending him. And that, my beloved friends, is enough to break the heart of the great apostle, the great man of God. Now, you must understand, this is not just an acquaintance with whom he had a tiff. This is not just some people that he knew somehow or neighbors or somebody that they just don't get along. This is real stuff. I'm not talking about those things and people we can't get along with and we just say, okay, you go your way, I go my way. That's not what we're talking about here. This is a very intimate friendship. This is a very close relationship. And Paul wasn't just being sensitive. He wasn't just being thin-skinned. No, 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 no. Because you have to remember that all of these people owed their salvation to the preaching of the Apostle Paul. These people owed their transformation from being idol worshipers to worshipers of the living God to the preaching of the Apostle Paul. They were his spiritual children. And they chose to believe a lie about their spiritual father. Now, I'm sure you can probably relate to that in the realm of, the, of, of relationships in general. Imagine your own son or daughter. Imagine a very close friend for many years. Imagine your spouse. Imagine your partner in business for many years believing a lie about you, and then spreading it all around. I mean, imagine how you feel. And now you understand why the Apostle Paul feels so deeply. He was so deeply wounded, and he was so deeply anguished in his spirit, so he sat down and he wrote them a very hard letter, a confrontational letter. It was this hard letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, he said to them, he said, I am not coming back to your town. Why should I go on experiencing this pain every time I come to visit you? On an emotional level, Paul didn't want to write this letter. Just like all of us don't like to confront. Whenever we are facing difficult situation and a broken relationship, they always have a struggle of two feelings inside of us. 
I think on an emotional level, we don't want to confront the person. And so on an emotional level, the writing of this confrontational letter itself was very painful for Paul to write and was very painful for them to read. It was a painful letter. But on a spiritual level, Paul had to write this letter for it was for their good. It was for their blessing, as we'll see in a minute. And so, in chapter 2, verse 4, here's what he said. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. He was weeping as he was writing the letter. He was praying as he was writing the letter. He was hurting as he was writing the letter. And so, Paul sent that letter with his trusted lieutenant and co-worker and friend, Titus. So, Titus takes the letter to the Corinthians. And while he takes that letter to the Corinthians, Paul goes to Macedonia. What is he doing? He is sitting there waiting for the response. Guess how he was feeling as he was waiting for the response. Guess how you would feel as you're waiting for that important letter, all important letter to come to you. He was anxious. He was anxious. In fact, he says so. Have you ever been there? Have you ever dealt with somebody in a godly way and you waited anxiously for the results, knowing that what you have said may have hurt them deeply? Paul knew that the Corinthians could have become hardened of heart and and, and responded and lived with this chronic pain for the rest of their life. They could have lived with this non-confessional pain, with the non-repentance pain. And they could have said, who does he think he is? We're right and he's wrong. Or they could have come under conviction and apologized to the great apostle. And while he was waiting, he was anxious. He was grief-stricken. And listen to what he said. It's from verse 5 of chapter 7, right in front of you, verse 5. Here's what he said while he was waiting. He said, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed on every turn, conflicts on the outside, and fears within. Question. What was Paul depressed about? Why Paul was afraid? It was this, that they would choose not to heal the broken relationship. Choosing not to heal a broken relationship can only prolong the pain. I'm not saying that in every case it has to be absolutely the same as it was. Sometimes it has to come to an end like Paul and Barnabas have experienced, but they resolve the conflict and then they said to each other goodbye. He said, you go your way, I go my way. But at least they resolved the problem godly way. Because unresolved conflict will prolong the anguish to everyone and for everyone. Deal with it. Deal with the relationship you're in. Resolve it one way or the other. Resolve the conflict. Let your pain and sorrow become the back door to joy and happiness. And that is the very secret for positive living. It is to choose that one way of the pain of deliverance rather than a coronic pain that will corrode your soul. And that is the secret for positive living. If you think that moving on without resolving the conflict 
is going to make you happy, listen to me, it won't. It is only a temporary band-aid. If the other party refuses to deal with the issue, you can't force them. You've done your part, and that's it. But clear things between you and God. See, that's what happened with Joseph. Joseph forgave his brothers, his miserable brothers who did what they did to him. He forgave them long time ago. And he did not say anything. He had all the power in the world. He could have sent out chariots and brought them in. He could have gone there and found them and says, hey, I forgive you guys. No, 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 he didn't. But he took care of it with God. And then when they came to him, he said, I forgive you. The question here, as we're seeing in the life of Paul, how do you do this? How do I do this? By confession, forgiveness, and restoration. And that's exactly what the Corinthians chose to do. As I said, they could have chose the other way, and Paul would have no power over them. He could not have done any more. He would have said, I've done all I can. But thank God they chose the godly way. Look at verses 8, 9, and 10 of uh, chapter 7. That's 7, 8, 9, and 10. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read it to you in a Yusuf paraphrase. Okay? Let me just so you, you understand it. Okay? Paul is saying, Though I caused you sorrow with the letter that I wrote to you, I don't regret writing the letter. Although part of me does regret writing it because it was painful to write and it was painful to read. But now I rejoice, not because I hurt you, but because in hurting you through my confrontational letter, you chose to repent instead of hardening of your heart. You know what it's like? (laughs) It's like a sensitive surgeon after he operates on you and he says, I'm so sorry I hurt you. I'm so sorry I made such a long incision. I'm so sorry that I caused you pain. But you know, I'm glad I did because had I not done that, you could have died. That's what Paul is saying here. Often the only healing that you will receive will be after the pain of confronting sin and restoring broken relationships. Often the only permanent relief that you can experience will be after the anguish of confrontation. Often joy that you're missing in your life will be restored after You've gone through the sorrow of confession and repentance. And that is why I'm calling this secret is the let sorrow be the back door to joy and happiness. Had the Corinthians chose to be in broken relationship with Paul, had they continued believing the lies that were said about him, they would have forfeited Not their salvation, because that's not salvation dependent on it, but they would have forfeited certain blessings that are associated with willingness to confess and repent and turn to the Lord. You say, Michael, how do you know this? I'm going to show it to you in a minute. (laughs) In fact, that was Paul's concern. His anxiety, his pain, his fear, his depression was coming from the fact. I said, Lord, please don't let them turn me down. Please don't let them. Please, Lord, because I know they're not going to be blessed if they turned it down, if they don't acknowledge it. And here it is in the second half of verse 9. So that you may not suffer loss in anything through us. See, I didn't want the problem, your sin, against me 
and your lack of forgiveness toward me to cause God to stop his blessing. See, true and genuine sorrow always leads to repentance and produces blessings of God. It really will. How many of you noticed the contrast here in this passage between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow? The two types of sorrow. Worldly sorrow, that's mere regret. (laughs) That's when you kind of, oh gosh, I wish nobody knew about this. Well, um, I'm feeling a little bit remorse about it. Uh, I feel just a little temporary stress here over it. That's worldly sorrow. And Paul said, that kind of worldly sorrow has no power of healing. That this kind of worldly sorrow, this kind of regret and remorse has no permanent redeeming value that it has no saving capabilities whatsoever. Ah, but godly sorrow, godly sorrow that leads to true repentance will produce joy unspeakable. Let me tell you this. Many of you know that in Jewish weddings, a glass is lifted up and is allowed to fall to the ground and be shattered into pieces. Pointing to the shattered pieces of the glass, the couple is exhorted to guard jealously that sacred relationship into which they had just entered. Why? Because they believe that once the relationship is broken, it can never be restored. Please listen to what I'm going to tell you. In the New Testament, because of the cross of Calvary, a broken relationship can be restored. Stronger and better than ever. But listen, it's in the New Testament that we know that because of the death of Jesus Christ, a fractured relationship can be healed. But only if there is what the Apostle Paul calls godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow. Listen to verse 10, 2 Corinthians 7 again. Let me conclude. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But ungodly sorrow, that's just emotional regret, ultimately brings death. Thanks for listening to Dr. Yusuf today on Leading the Way. The words from Dr. Yusuf were so practical and relevant, weren't they? I hope you'll consider listening again online and maybe sharing the link with a friend. Visit ltw.org and click on the Listen link near the top of the page. You can also check out more messages on the Leading the Way app. There's also more information about all of these when you click on the same website, ltw.org. As we bring today's episode of Leading the Way to a close, allow me to invite you also to watch Leading the Way television. Each week, dig into the truth of God's Word and be challenged to love and serve the Savior. Leading the Way television is available in most areas on TBN, Daystar, God TV, 9, 7, SCA, and more. Visit ltw.org for details. Once again, that's ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect via television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social media networks. 
Learn more at ltw.org. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.